Hey everybody, it's Brock, producer of the Sprocket Podcast. I'm looking forward to getting back behind the mic and talking to you at some point very soon. I am currently standing on my porch anticipating the birth of my son. He's supposed to show up this week. So thanks uh, for the best wishes and uh, here's to hoping everything goes smoothly. All of us here at the Sprocket Podcast are taking Labor Day off from being behind the mic and I thought I'd bring you something from the feed that, well, used to be on the feed, but now it is off the feed. So this is an older show we did back in 2014 with our friend Jeff Everett. Uh, Speaking of uh, Labor Day, he, he had a real labor of love creating this group fun event that he created in Spokane, Washington. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, you have to take some time to appreciate the people who have put in the hard work to make bike fun happen. So from 2014, Jeff Everett and the FBC, y'all. This is not a twisty top. Oh, yeah. There's a oh, tool over a there, right? No, I, I've got... Oh, you I've got, got your telling own. me. Oh, you're pointing the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are disassembling electronics before every show and reassembling them in time to record one. My name is Brock Dittis. <laughs> I like that pause there. Uh, my name is Aaron Flores, and we are broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of how electronics work and... Uh, <laughs> Also with a perspective on how they connect us to people across the world, such as yourself listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> I have no way to connect to this at all, to anything of what we're supposed to be saying. That's oh, okay. covering our mixer back because we took the cover off. For it was and, naked and it and, did. Yes. Yeah. Uh, hey, we should talk about who took apart our mixer and fixed it for us that's right we're in here with uh, design genius and uh, fearless disassembler jeff everett <laughs> fearless i mean is that true are you actually fearless when it comes to disassembly absolutely okay I'll, I'll take it apart in a heartbeat i can't guarantee that i'll put it back together i uh, i am i am impressed by by your level of fearlessness we were just saying that if it was if it was up to me, like if there was a guest here that was just kind of sitting around watching us do it, I would not disassemble the the mixing board. And yet, yeah, after I took it apart and couldn't put it back together, our fix it would be like, sorry, I broke your shit. <laughs> Guess there's no podcast. Tonight. Good night, guys. Peace out. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> just knock over our mic stands on the way out. <laughs> exactly. Everett out. <laughs> Crash. Yeah. So uh, that's that's what we were up to right before the show. But uh, Jeff, you are also the uh, the leader of the FBC, and uh, this is something that we'll cover in great detail in just a couple of minutes. You're also uh, part of Team Sincerity, Word. and uh, you are the glue that keeps the team together. I'm the anchor that holds it down. <laughs> Our faithful <laughs> it's way up a hill. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to have grounding. That's right. So yeah. Anyways, you're uh, the John Entwistle. Of Team Sincerity. <laughs> and everybody needs one of those. That's right. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask, uh, who who actually purchased, because we're, we're drinking some beers. Apparently you two were here before me, and you both went to Beer Mongers, and then I went to Beer Mongers. So we're, we're so, well stocked. So they're well, well supported beer. by us. <laughs> yes. We do love them. Ka-ching. Take a drink, Krista. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways, that uh, that happened. But yes, who, who bought the beers? 
like as in actually purchased them or yes, picked who, them out? Yes. I who mean, took yes, legal I, tender and gave it to the person <laughs> which formerly owned the I, beers? I took plastic tender and okay. yes. <laughs> I guess um, it's a form of legal tender. Thank yes. you, thank you yes. for that. This is what this is a what is it? Samuel Smith's Imperial Stout. But I did not pick these out. Um, yeah, that would be that would be our our guest here, Mister Everett. Yeah, but I picked these out, Jeff. Thank you for the selection that you made. Uh, this is this is really good because it's the old what is it? The old brewery Tadcaster, established seventeen fifty eight. Uh, this is a very intricate and awesome label, and it's a very good, thick and strong Imperial Stout. And the sole agents are Merchant Duvin Corp in Tukwila, which is just north of where I grew up. So mm. I, I feel like I'm specially connected to this beer. <laughs> um, well, yes. Uh, speaking of team sincerity, can I tell everybody about Cranksgiving? I think you should because I know nothing about what went down over there. Yeah. Um, well, first of and all. I'm really intrigued. And neither of us. Yeah, regretfully, I was unable to were able, attend yeah. this year. Yeah, and you two are kind of like your cornerstones of Team Sincerity. So we had some we had some good sub. Well, we had a good sub, I guess, that stepped in for you. Uh, Brandon Shelby, who uh, is, uh, he's actually going to come in. We scheduled a show in January. So he's going to oh, really? tell us, yeah. Oh, no shit. About his summer adventures with I Daniel Harkins. I think of a better substitution for me. Right, right. Well, and if there is anyone who does the bicycling of two men, it is Brandon Shelby. Yes. So, yeah. Um, Truth. Uh, multiple times that he, uh, not because he was trying to leave us behind, just because he has like a speed that he goes at, uh, he was he was far ahead of us. Nice. Yeah. We actually had a team um, while we were out on the roads. And maybe I should explain Cranksgiving for anybody who has not done it. We, uh, let's see, we had an interview from Laura, who's one of the people that uh, helps run it Tom uh, last year. And then Tom was just on, yeah, in September, like a month ago. It seems so long He was ago. episode 201. So, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, he rode with us yes. on, the grill, on the grill ride. He did, yeah. yeah. So uh, he is uh, he's uh, another one of the people behind it. And then uh, Megan Senna, who we also just had in, was uh, kind of the announcer uh, and uh, and voice of the event. So those three were kind of at the helm of it, but uh, again, it happened at Velo Cult, and it was a charity ride so that we went uh, all around town picking up food donations that we bought and delivered to help folks uh, at Outside Inn who are collating donations to make sure people have enough to eat and, uh, and uh, you know, and they have underwear. That was actually one of the things that uh, underwear and socks are oh, great. Yeah. far more expensive than you would think they are these days. Underwear is crazy expensive these yeah. days. And granted, it's like a three or four pack or something, but... Um, Forty bucks for a pair of underwear. I just realized, like, what I I'm sound very Sorry. old. I pack. I, I I sound very old when I say like underwear is so expensive. Right, right. <laughs> I remember but, back in my day, <laughs> roughly five <laughs> equal to nickel. So uh, yeah, I'm made was, out of bark. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, we called them knee breeches. But <laughs> no, it was uh, it was great. We we did this thing. It's a traditional alley cat sort of thing where uh, we got to manifest the beginning, and we had all these different places. We had to go and to you can plan your own, your own route. Plan our own route. Yeah. yeah. Although uh, it seems like most people, like this year and last year when we did these things, uh, it seems like most people do those uh, in roughly the same order. Okay. So we were always kind of like uh, bumping into the same folks that we always uh, saw. You know, like okay. Like we get there first and then somebody else shows up and then we leave and someone else is just rolling in. It was kind of like, you know, the order changed from time to time, but uh, it was a good event. It was great. We took about two hours, I think, to go out and hit about six stores. So I feel like we were busting our asses. Um, So there was the time we had to, uh, you were looking at the leaderboard and we were like fifth that came in or something like that. Fifth or sixth. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we made pretty good time. 
Again, I especially given to, like it looked like there was a lot of teams. Yeah, this year. there were there were like twenty, and I I don't know that there's any definitive word if we beat Seattle because I know that was oh uh, fuck Seattle. We I have mean, a in the nicest yeah. way possible. In, yeah, we have uh, a longstanding <laughs> rivalry in the many years that Portland has had a Thanksgiving. Read last year and this year. Ah, yeah. uh, as far as uh, which city brings out the most participants and uh, contributes the most to their charity, so. Uh, I do not know if there was... Uh, I don't know who won the banana award. Oh, yeah. And then there was a costume contest. So uh, we were we were told to you know dress up in costumes, uh, come in with some sort of a theme. And uh, I had that leftover tiger suit from Halloween. So what we decided... Adele and I both have you know matching tiger suits. So we decided to be oh, right. Calvin and Hobbes time traveling. Because that's like one there's, of... The, there's a strip where they meet each other. Yes, where yeah. uh, Calvin and Hobbes get into the cardboard time machine. And they go to 8.30 in the afternoon to, or the evening to pick up the homework that, uh, you know, the other Calvin and Hobbes had completed so they could go back to 5.30 and do nothing. Um, so we, we kind of acted that out. So Adele and I were the Hobbeses. And, uh, Wait, you actually acted out that, that strip? No, not really. Oh, I was hoping, that would have been so great. I was hoping to get a cardboard box and do like a kind of a photorealistic Some representation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, that, that was not to be. Maybe, yeah. uh, maybe we'll do it again next year or something. Uh, but anyways, it well, was a lot of fun. That tiger suit is not going anywhere. Uh, no, sir. No, it is durable. <laughs> you got to get your money's worth. Out yeah. Of the tiger well, suit. let me tell you. Just uh, while we're talking about the tiger suit, let me add that uh, I put in some extra fabric because uh, when I first crafted the tiger suit, it was not done to any sort of pattern. Uh, we basically traced my body and then sewed the pieces together, and so I ended up with, uh, let's say the uh, the the peak of the inseam. You know, right where the legs come together, very tight. So I ended up having uh, the, the seams were ripping out, and I had a space of about an inch or so that was uh, at the end of the Halloween party, kind of exposed to the air. Impressive. Thank you. I'd like to think so. Uh, but for Thanksgiving, I knew that that wouldn't uh, that would not stand for uh, you know like two hours of intense bicycling. Mm. So I ended up adding about two inches of fabric. Of the, tiger print yes, fabric? Yes, yes, oh. to the crotchal region. Great. Yeah. And in about, I, I, I think I was going for about the same stripe pattern. We'll right see. On. Well, but, I don't uh, feel embarrassed now. I just actually, like, patched up the the crotch of, of my pants oh, this morning. There period. we go. I can't right. tell you how many times I bust out the crotch of all my pants. <laughs> it's just a daily. Thing, it's a thing. It's daily. <laughs> Do you have any mitigation strategies? Or? I should switch to dresses. Okay. There really? we go. A utilicate would be useful. <laughs> all right. So anyways, that happened. It was great, and uh, it was all for a good cause. It's good to see that many people come out and, and do something really exciting. So that was a good time. Uh, there are pictures online, and I guess I'll put them on, uh, on our podcast website in right case on. no one has Facebook or Twitter. Uh, what did you do? Anything notable this last week? This last week, or did um, anything strike you? I didn't, well, the reason why I couldn't be at Cranksgiving was because I was working. Oh yeah, so I mean that's kind of notable, not really. Yeah, taking um, care of business, taking taking care of people. Yes, you know, like um, Bachman Turner Overdrive. <laughs> every day, yeah, in yeah. every way, yes. Um, and that's a song <laughs> about public transit, by the way. Is it? Are you uh, are you take the nine fifteen into the city? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. I forget the lyrics. Yeah, but that's not important. Try to look pretty and misogyny. And, yeah. Yeah. It's all wrapped up in a nice package. So. Well, you know, transit and misogyny are you know <laughs> they're pretty often close left. bedfellows <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, 
Well, I went to see uh, Cold Specs last night. Oh, right. It's a band that uh, features a baritone sax. Yeah, and a bass can't... clarinet, oh, which really? was surprising. Yeah, You yeah. can't get enough of that. No, you don't see that very often. Yeah. Uh, it's very hard to mic woodwinds in general, but a clarinet or a bass clarinet um, is very difficult to mic, and they were having a lot of feedback trouble. Mm. Yeah. Because anytime the guy like walked away, the mics were pointed directly at like one of the... Uh, guitar amps. Okay. So, yeah, it would just feedback like crazy. Hell for a sound, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but great show. Um, lead singer has such an amazing voice and um, found out that I can dance a little bit. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not going to make a habit out of this. But, okay. Okay. But, but, but uh, so I, say, I, for example, I cut, there's... I cut a bit of a rug. The the uh, so does, was, if is this something that you had. told yourself or someone else told this to you? Because uh, I believe in my head that I'm a really good <laughs> singer. <laughs> no, but no, outside, no, no. I I I had a dancing partner who said I I did really well. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe she was just being nice. I don't know. Oh. But anyway. I think uh, this must be proven on some sort of uh, bicycle ride, like next pedal palooza when there's all those dance party rides going around. Sure, I think I we're going to have to put this have to, to the go test. Out, yeah, grab some cardboard. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> regardless, I was a little disappointed that uh, Philip Ross's doppelganger did not ask me to where the bathroom was. All uh, right. Well, you, as you, per you, every other concert I've been to, lightning rarely strikes twice <laughs> in the this same is, place. This is true. Well, it's a different place, though. Yeah. yeah. This was at the Doug for this time. Okay. So lightning <laughs> could have possibly struck. Yeah. But so it goes. Yeah. Hey, how's that rain cape? Uh, are you? Oh, uh, how, yeah. How's I should your give experience that back. been? Um, so there's, there's positives and negatives, but I would say, well, maybe I shouldn't say positives and negatives, but um, at this point... I would say I'm not entirely convinced to go to Rain Cape. Mm-hmm. I I see the advantages of it in that, like, it's really warm. Right. I will say it's really warm. Yeah. I love I love being under that because um, <laughs> I don't have to worry about, like, dressing in a bunch of layers. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also a disadvantage in that, um, anytime I stand still or if there's a strong wind, I'm freezing. Uh, sure. Yeah. So that was, that was tough. Um, but I always felt, um, awkward, like riding, like I, I, I couldn't be as agile. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Maybe, maybe the word I'm looking for. That was my um, experience <clears throat> is that when, when you want to either signal for a turn or you need to like reach around and scratch your back or whatever, like the cape is just big enough to go from your back to your handlebars. Well, I didn't realize how much I relied on looking either at my hands or at my gearing or... Mm. Oh, right. Or you can't even see those. Just, even just where my front wheel is in relation to the, to the rotor, to the turn. Okay. Uh, so for you, the cape blocks out some of those cues. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I love the idea. I think you and I were talking about it like a couple of weeks ago and yeah. we, we determined that if you were riding in a straight line for less than half an hour, it's a great solution to rain. If, uh, if you make lots of turns and you go up a fair number of hills, uh, and your commute is like over half an hour, I feel like it's less of a practical solution, which for me is the well, case. And if you are, I think it, for me anyways, it was a difference between upright and aggressive stance in uh-huh. riding. Uh, if you're an upright rider, you know, if you take a more relaxed approach, which everyone should just relax in general anyways. All right. But 
I think the rain cape is is great. Um, unfortunately, I like to lean very far forward. Okay. I you know do take a more aggressive stance on on riding, and so you need a tighter <clears throat> rain cape. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah something One with to less that effect. Slack. I it's called I a know. jacket. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, so but yeah, so that it it didn't quite work as well right, for me. Right. But. So let's put the thank you out to Drew for de- oh, definitely for totally, lending us yes. the uh, the gear. It was really and cool. It'll to be get the forthcoming. Chance. Definitely, yeah, and we'll get that back to you, Drew. And it doesn't smell anymore, Drew. Right, I right. Sure that. that was my fault. Aaron fixed it, as is the case with many things on this show. <laughs> uh, so I um, <laughs> I would say that, yeah, I think for my own personal preference, I still prefer the rain jacket and uh, and rain chaps. I think that's kind of my preferred rain gear action. Um, and a good pair of rubber boots never hurts. So that's, uh, yeah. But it was it was really nice to have the uh, the enlightenment, and I think I think the cape could be a great option for a lot of people, especially I don't I, know, especially if you don't want to like buy a bunch of rain gear. If you don't have rain gear, I feel like the cape would probably be cheaper than the raincoat and and chaps arrangement. Yeah, probably depending on which it's, one you get. It's one item versus several items yeah. that are comparable in cost to right. each other. Um, I I want to appreciate just the whole throwing down the gauntlet and I kind of want to open the door to anybody who cares to like do that. <laughs> do you own us. something nice that goes with a bicycle? <laughs> that want us, us do you want away. us to ruin shit for you? Exactly. Well, not so much of that is like, you know, just I think it was cool in, in a way to engage with, with somebody on that level. It was yeah, really fun. For and, sure. Yeah. So I would, thanks, I would definitely uh, product test the shit out of anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Attention advertisers. Yeah. <laughs> this man could soon be your could soon be your guy. I'm uh, a fan of uh, Ford F-150s as well. That's right. <laughs> Just to throw it at me. So uh, t- tell us, Jeff, uh, you uh, you come from originally a different place than here. Um, we're going to talk a lot about your time in Spokane, Washington. Mm-hmm. It's actually Spokane, mm-hmm. right? Mm. That's right. I like how you pronounce that. Yes, That's right. uh, but you, but you came from a place cringing all over the place right now. <laughs> you came from a place where people call it Spokane, so it, uh, That's true. A lot of time in St. Louis, is that right? Yeah, originally from Mississippi. Oh, yes. uh, we moved to uh, St. Louis. Uh, you mentioned Cranksgiving um, in St. Louis. It was like the the biggest imaginable ride. Really? Yeah, it's like it's, the marquee it's just event. Crazy. Yeah, there's there's thousands of people that. Um, they participate. Their biggest ride is like the Moonlight Ramble. That's a one once a year ride where like ten thousand people show up for this thing where you wow. ride, you know, I don't know, maybe it's thirty, forty miles, something like that. Mm-hmm. Is that like a sponsored event or just a regular get together and ride? I think it started as one and ended up the other. Ah, okay. So it's it's kind of a big deal now. Yeah. Um but Cranksgiving is crazy in St. Louis. But yeah. we were there for a little while and then Moved to Spokane, were there for a few years, and then came here. There we go. So when did you adopt the bicycle as more than just uh, a child's toy? Because I'm sure you grew up with one, like uh, you had one. uh, Yeah, I grew up riding BMX. Okay. Um, Spent a lot of time on just as, you know, that's how a kid gets around. Right. You know, and uh, road ramps quite a bit. And eventually moved up to a mountain bike because it was like this... uh, I don't know. You kind of felt like you wanted to be a big kid, so you got a bigger bike. Yeah, for sure. Mountain bikes got big, and so I got that, and it sucked really bad. Cause Harder to from, get rad on a mountain bike. It was from Walmart, too, so it was a rattle yeah. trap to begin with. <laughs> and this one kid that I knew in school wanted to sh- wanted to sell this uh, Nishiki 10-speed. There you go. I'm like, all right, I'll do this. So I just traded him straight up for the mountain bike. 
straight across. Sucker. Yeah. <laughs> he got taken for all he was worth. Man. Yeah. And um, I rode that bike for the longest time, and then um, kind of went from there. That was my that was my transportation. Okay. And that's where I kind of got the bug for for it being transportation. Gotcha. So that was before St. Louis. Most definitely. That yeah. was that was back in uh, Mississippi when I was still a kid. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's that's cool to have such an early induction to the club. Yeah. Because for a lot of people, like the, the idea that his transportation is still a revolutionary idea. Yeah, I was still the I was still the weird kid on a bicycle, using it as transportation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody else would just ride out to the sand pit and go do kid stuff on theirs, and like I was going to the store, right? You know, and using it, getting to work, that sort of thing. Yeah, to get to work. Yeah. So, nice. Uh, so I grew up the was weird that, guy. I was going to say, was that like weird, like in high school where everybody sort of transitions into the car and it becomes more of a car culture? Exactly. And, yeah. Uh, junior high was a little bit difficult because it was, it was close to the house mm-hmm. at the time. And, um, I was able to ride my bike to school and I was the only one on the bike rack. So it made sense oh. like logistically, but yeah. not popular. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's the yeah, time at which you're like a lot of things to... about my childhood were logistically <laughs> you know, made sense, but, but didn't not make popular. popular. Okay, there <laughs> did we not go. make me popular. And this is just a, this is the shining example. Just, yeah, just an extension of that. There we go. So you took the you took the bicycling lifestyle with you to St. Louis, and is that where you connected with uh, more people like yourself? Like you finally came out of the shadows and, and realized that other people also ride bicycles for fun or uh, or for uh, absolutely or there for was, getting around uh, or whatever there was an infrastructure for it you know yeah. there, were, there were bike lanes there was a map there was a a crew of people that maintained the street specifically for bikes and it was really bizarre for me to imagine that and um i was able to kind of fall into in in with the right people and um just was able to get around by bike and uh parking was such a bitch too like right why would you drive <laughs> yeah. you know i yeah. found a good parking place behind my apartment i'm not moving this car there we go <laughs> i'm gonna ride my bike were you living in the downtown area yeah we were we Fairly were pretty dense. close to downtown little three-floor walk up with like absolutely no parking yeah and so uh, if you lose that parking space like you say it's difficult to find again it's gone for days yeah yeah you have to drive around the city for another place yeah and then you yeah. have to park somewhere on the street you know, and then you have to ride your bike home. <laughs> yeah, for real. You might as well ride your bike. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was a good transit system. Like the the bus system was really great, and they have the metro, you know, train. So okay, it would go wherever I needed to go. I yeah. mean, it, it went to the airport and Bush Stadium, and really, that's the only two places I ever wanted to go. <laughs> Where else need you go? <laughs> right. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I think St. Louis also got our historic rail car uh, streetcars. Like the ones that they used to run around the holidays and whatnot oh, really? here in Portland. I think they sent them to St. Louis, and I think we covered that on the show, but I forget for sure. No kidding. Yeah. But yeah, a, a good place, as I understand. Yeah. Also, yeah, it was the, a lot of fun. either the beginning or the terminus of the Lewis and Clark bicycling route from Adventure Cycling Association, which I've had my eye on for years and never done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've ridden parts of that. Yeah. There's the, um, what is it, like the Mississippi River Trail that. Um, parallels the river all the way up to canada yeah and uh it's a lot of fun you know you can take a take a ride off of that and go through east st louis across the cross the river and end up somewhere east you can just keep going yeah yeah it's kind of exciting like there's so much possibility yeah, there absolutely yeah it really is the gateway city right right and hence the arch right word yeah I, what is it like living near that arch i'm just curious because i it's so iconic and I've seen it like on, you know, like commemorative stamps or whatever. And I remember thinking like, 
So there's just this arch going over the city that is. It, it seems like almost like a, like a Halo kind of thing. Like you know, if, if you play the video game, at some point in that game, you're going to get to see this thing arcing across the sky. Right. Yeah. Is it like that? A little bit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The closer you get to it, the more um, opposing it seems to be. It's just it's just this huge ominous thing in the sky right. all the time, and you get used to it. But you also use it as like navigation. All right. Oh, yeah. Like I'm when, near the arch. You know, when yeah. you're when you're new to the area, or you know, when I was new to the area, I would use it as navigation. Makes well, sense. It never goes anywhere. That's true. <laughs> Probably won't. <laughs> Is it big enough for people to climb inside of? Yeah, okay. there's a um, there's an elevator, quote unquote elevator that goes up through this thing, and it's like um, three or four train cars that look like these little tiny pods, and. Four to six people get inside of it, and it's built for probably two people. So okay. It's super crowded. Nice. I mean, yeah. Doesn't sound safe. <laughs> it's safe <laughs> and uncomfortable. <laughs> and it's the worst totally not worth it. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, you can get into these little cars. And I think it was uh, specifically for, like, um, you know, crew to get to the top and stuff like that. But they built a little observation deck at the top, and it's like, what, 680 feet off the ground or something like that. And It's way up there. Yeah, you take these little you know, space pods up through one of the legs, and I think it goes up both sides. Nice. And you go up to the top, and you look around, and like, yep, this is a thing. There and then it is. you get back in the little pods, <laughs> and you go down. Uh, there's also uh, a stairwell that climbs Ooh. the entire thing. Now this and is I something. So totally wanted to do that. Yeah, yeah. But they won't let civilians in. There oh, they do don't. No. What? No. Like okay. only military can use the stairs. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I think code red yeah. to the top of the arch. <laughs> I think you know security or EMTs and oh, things right, like right. that. Oh, right, right. Those it. people. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. yeah. non-civilian. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so tell us maybe just briefly about like you mentioned that there was a couple of different rides, but a number of people doing bike fun in in St. Louis. Oh yeah, and that was probably I, I'm imagining that's where you got the idea when you went to Spokane. Like something like this has to exist wherever I go next. Absolutely, there was a there was a small crew doing the FBC in St. Louis, and FBC stands for what? Um, the fucking bike club. Thank you. It sort of named itself. I right. Um, <laughs> it was, there wasn't like a meeting for this? or Probably at some point. It's like, you know, we really need a name for this fucking bike club. <laughs> I think we just found oh. one. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. We'll do, we got let's go with that. <laughs> well done, Sam. That's well done, easy. Ralph. Let's clock out. Yeah, yeah. we're done. Um, but yeah, there was, a, there was a small group of people doing this already and... Um, it was just so much fun, and there was no pressure to it. There was no waivers to sign. You were just kind of on your own. Mm-hmm. Taking responsibility for your own actions. For real. Yeah. And then uh, you would start at a bar, and you would end at a bar. And in St. Louis, you have the luxury of being in the Midwest, so it's an incredibly flat. Oh, sure. And you could just ride for hours. Right. And, an area uh, hill to be seen. Yeah, and the the bars were open until like 3 or 4 <laughs> Oh yeah! So is there is there an official closing really time? Late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Depends on where you are. If you're a, if if the bar is a friend of the FBC, okay, they'll stay open for you. Yeah, uh, who you are and who's watching. Yeah, unofficially, yeah. and you never heard that. Of course not. No, no. Right. It's not like uh, no. It's just us. Don't here. tell anybody. <laughs> just us. Uh, but yeah, you know it. Um, you get the opportunity to, to start much later and uh, ride much longer, and the crowds are bigger. 
and it was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we have, you mentioned Cranksgiving, and uh, what other kinds of rides were there? We have... Uh, oh, there was an innumerable alley cats that would go on. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. They were all over the place all the time. Uh, but you kind of had to know somebody at, at um, the bike shop um, or know some people who knew some people so they would give you a call because the you know posting it on the internet wasn't really... Because it's you like know, telling the cops, come shut us down. Right. Gotcha. It really wasn't the way to go at right. the time. Okay. And maybe this is a good time to to say that the Sprocket Podcast does not endorse the breaking of any laws. You know, <laughs> know your local regulations and follow them. Well, I mean, alley cats are, are kind of controversial at times because right. there are some alley cats that, that are kind of win at all costs and traffic laws do sort of fall by the wayside in order to for that to happen it's been known to happen especially well and just like cranksgiving here in portland just uh the other day everyone leaving velo cult like yeah. i think everyone had the best intentions to follow traffic rules across town as they were doing their thing but as everyone's pouring out of velo cult like there's no way everyone was stopping at that four-way stop <laughs> yeah <laughs> well and you you got all that adrenaline going in and mm-hmm. you know everybody's just so excited right right that's true which makes the following of laws, as we recommend, very difficult. It's, it does. Yeah. But even more important. Yes. Anyways, the FBC, St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. Alley cats. Yeah, there were plenty of alley cats. Um, and you just kind of had to get in with the right guys. And there were even, um, like, a Beer Thursday, you would have at an outdoor velodrome, which was just a little bit north of where we lived. Nice. Um, it was a super shitty velodrome. Okay. When you say shitty velodrome, are we talking about like boards coming up or is it not made of wood? It is not made of wood. Okay. It is really terrible, wavy asphalt. Okay. And where? Yeah. Wow. So yeah, you're just riding weird. kind of so in it circles. Was a, it was this ancient velodrome that somebody ruined with asphalt. <laughs> and then you just do, you know. Someone said, you know what? Fuck this wood shit. Yeah. Let's, let's just. Cements last forever, you know? Yeah, we, we have all this property. <laughs> you know what we should do with it. Let's cover it in asphalt. Okay. Right. Um, but it get it got used on every Thursday night. We there would you have, go. Yeah, we would have uh, velodrome races with beer hand-ups and donut hand-ups and stuff nice. like that. And nice. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. There was, there was one opportunity where we went um, in, I think, mid to late fall. And on the the back straightaway, there's probably a six foot fence, and along this fence grew these enormous sticker bushes. And I don't I call them sticker bushes because I think that was their only reason to exist was to grow they, they and produce to people like. produce pointy objects to die and fall <laughs> off into the track. Yes, yes. So four or five of us went. We just rode up there. We were going to do the velodrome and turn around and go home. Well. We decided to do that, and we got there, made a few laps. Is this open to the public? Is it just like some place yeah, that just anyone open. can get into? Yeah, it's okay. just open. So we went and did a few laps. We repaired five tires. <laughs> <laughs> and in 40-degree weather. Yikes. And we turned around and went home. There you go. So, so that's, that's inspiration. I, I'm sure better things came after that. Absolutely. <laughs> So you've had this experience in St. Louis, and then uh, you moved to Spokane. And uh, was it was it work reasons? Was it uh, opportunity? Uh, what took you to Spokane? We were following an opportunity for my wife. Okay. Uh, she had finished her school for physical therapy, so um, we had decided we were going to move west. Yeah. 
um, just give it a shot. So we did some research and decided we wanted to uh, wanted to settle in Spokane for a little while, and it uh, it really hit the spot. It was a really great place to live for a little while. Yeah, uh, I would imagine there are some similarities to uh, maybe not not climate wise necessarily. It's less humid than St. Louis. Certainly, culture wise, uh, smaller population. Were there similarities that you noticed that uh, that made you choose it as a place? Like, yeah, there were there were definitely similarities. There was a it had sort of a a beginning bike culture. Okay, you know, six eight years ago, it didn't have what it has now. Yeah, and that um, it sort of drew me to it at that point. You know, uh, knowing that I wanted to start an FBC when I moved there, mm-hmm. like, well, let's really start this thing. Yes, yeah. let's, let's start from pretty much nothing so as as the fbc grew the infrastructure for cycling in spokane grew so we were able to grow together and some of the people that um participated in some of the rides went on to like one of them was a city councilor and yeah that's fascinating started to write policy for cycling and sort of went hand in hand for for a few of the things right it wasn't while it was primarily a bunch of rowdy cyclists going from one bar to the next and listening to music and enjoying beer specials, right? Uh, you know, there were a few of them that would take it a step further and and be part of the solution yeah. to, to bike infrastructure. Like people get inspired when they participate in something like this. Right, yeah. yeah. And that, that was one reason that I wanted to do it to begin with, like to, to teach people that you can ride your bike safely right in the middle of the night uh-huh. you know? <laughs> like any time you can get out there and be traffic sure you know and you don't have to it doesn't have to be a critical mass you know while yeah. while there are a lot of us it's not what you would typically call a critical mass we don't in, intentionally get in the way we're not trying to you're not making a statement disturb the traffic we're not making a statement we're just using our bicycle to go to the next destination yeah which is how most people use their car you know sure so that's that's all we wanted to do yeah so tell me about what does it take to build an fbc in a town because this this is something you built from the ground up right this is a thing that did not exist you showed up and said there should be one correct um i pretty much started with um a blog spot just started typing about it there we go like all right guys here's the thing we're gonna meet at x destination and we're gonna go to y destination yeah um and we're gonna do it on our bicycles and i printed some spoke cards and you should come get one from me there we go um it took it took five months before somebody showed up mm-hmm. really? so you were you were doing You're these. just riding by yourself for five just, months before. just it was you know sometimes That's... it was just me most times it was like me and my wife and we yeah. would just go there That's was a bar not too far man. from the house and yeah. we just we would just call it an fbc and it's like all right it's a full moon let's leave the house which is our starting destination yeah right because nobody's coming we'll go to another destination you know? yeah so so does that mean like when the first person showed up for this ride five months down the road and they show up at your house <laughs> i actually did find a, a venue which was pretty much across the street okay. from our house easy enough um it was this dive and um five months in um 
I show up late. I tell everybody, it's like, okay, show up at eight. We'll ride at nine. And nobody was coming for the first four months. So like the fifth month rolled so you're around. Safe, it's like, right? I'm not in a hurry to get there. It takes your time getting ready. I'll get there when I get there. Right. So I get there and there's like six bikes parked out front. And you're like, holy shit. Oh my God, it's real. <laughs> it's going to happen. So I go inside and there's these very enthusiastic bike guys in uh-huh. there. Bike guys and girls standing yeah. around. Really? So a mixed yeah. gender from the start. Yeah. That's and great. The only problem I had at that point was I didn't have a destination. I don't know where to take these people. <laughs> I don't know where to go. They're fools to have showed up. What's yeah. the deal? It's a mystery right now. <laughs> so they were all they were all up in my face going, Hey, where are we going? And I, I don't I don't have anywhere to go. I don't I don't know. I don't know where to go. Yeah. Did you did you say that or were you like kind of formulating I, a plan? Well it looked like there was one of them that sort of led the group. Okay. Uh-huh. Like who he probably convinced the rest of them it was a good idea to go. The ringleader. So I kind of got his ear and was like, I don't really have a destination. <laughs> he was like, well, perfect. There's a friend of mine's wedding reception at a bar down the street. Are you Let's serious? Go. No shit. So you crashed a wedding so he, reception he by made bike. A call. He made a call. And they were like, sure, let's do it. Yeah. So we crashed a wedding reception and helped them float a keg. <laughs> yes. That's incredible. And we had, you know, cheese and crackers and right and wine and beer the whole deal yeah the whole deal deal from a um from a wedding reception yeah it was really nice so as momentum built what when did uh when did you uh kind of gave uh let's see like like i i was going to use the word critical mass but like uh you already decried that, so I'm, I'm thinking of an idea of like, just like a bunch of people. When did it become like self-sustaining? Thank you. When I <laughs> when I knew it was its own animal was when um, we had sort of leveled off at m- like maybe 75 to 80 as a low number. Okay. Um, but when I when I knew it was like an amazing thing, I was contacted um, from a friend of mine now named Michael who was part of the marketing department for Nog in Australia. The the lights people. The lights people. Ah, okay. K-Nog. Yeah. Yeah. So he sent me an email. It's like, hey, buddy, I'm touring <laughs> the world with a photographer from Tokyo, and we're going to go to Germany, Tokyo, New York, London, and started naming off real cities. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like, oh, yeah, and we'd like to come through Spokane as well. Why? Wow. <laughs> uh-huh. Because <laughs> because you're doing what you're doing yeah. and people yeah, yeah. are participating yeah. and we see you doing it. Yeah. Did we put down the, what, what time period was this? Um, it was um, uh, seven years ago. Okay. So 2007 and 2009 in that area? Right. Okay. There we go. Yeah. And, and we, yeah. Let's see. Yeah, we moved there in 2007. Okay. So I did that for six years. So through, you know, 13, and then we moved here. There we go. Um, but yeah, it was it was really bizarre that he said, you know, we see what you're doing. We appreciate it. We would like to come participate and right. photograph. Wow. So, you know, the Spokane FBC ended up in the, I don't know, what was it, 2000. Nine, two thousand eight, Nog catalog, yeah, something like that, which is awesome, yeah. Yeah. yeah, along with Tokyo and Germany and London and yeah, things like that. So that was really exciting, and that was the biggest ride we had had to date. It had been you know seventy five or eighty people, and in the winter, you know, thirty forty people would show up tops, and 
um, for the Nog ride, it was over 200 people. Yeah. Which was just remarkable to me. Right. We went to a destination which, well, of course, it won't hold 200 people, but there's a bar catty corner across the street that would hold some people. And then on the same side of the street as the original bar, there was a pizza place that would hold a few people. And across on the other corner, there was a gas station. So you just kind of got room indoors for everyone that shows up, and they just kind of create so a So they plaza. packed out the original bar. They packed out the secondary bar. Yeah. They packed out the tertiary pizza place. <laughs> Me and four other guys are brown bagging our beers in front of the gas station. <laughs> there you go. I couldn't get into my own party. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing the Lord's work. But in son. the meantime, like the people, the people who are working at these various establishments <laughs> yeah. are like, "Oh shit, here yeah. we go! It's going to be well, a long ass night." Yeah, and at that point, I knew it was turning into something. So yeah. when you show up with 80 people, yeah. you could really ruin somebody's night. Right. So I would, uh, I would call ahead. That's I when remember. I started oh, yeah. to. Yeah. That's when I started to really organize it, where it would take you know the two or three weeks leading up to it to organize a destination, find out what was going on at the destination, see if they have room for a band or a DJ and have them come play. Um, and as the years rolled on, I could just call them up and say, hey, FPC's coming. Hey, this is Jeff from FPC. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey, how's it going? When are you coming? I was <laughs> nice. like, a uh, couple of Fridays from now, we'll be there. Very soon. So they would, you know, they would give us drink specials and, you know, they would know that we weren't there to, you know, set the place on fire. We right. were there to enjoy the facility. Right. Well, and a lot, of, I'm sure you found that a lot of, a lot of communication really helps as far as getting people's expectations. Like you Absolutely. say, not, not mobbing a night, uh, not, uh, not shutting down a bar because they can't serve everyone. Yeah. You could show up with 30 people. Right. And it would be fine. I wouldn't feel bad about not calling before, but anything over that, it's like, well, it's a could, lot of people. It's a, it's a Tuesday and there's like one guy working. Right. It's like, you're going to ruin that guy's night. And like three old dudes that are, I don't there. care how much you tip. You're going to yes. ruin that guy's yeah. night. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, and, that, yeah, the three old customers that are sitting there on a Tuesday night trying to watch the Zags play, and yeah, you're going to ruin their game. Probably too. not going to be happy with you yeah. either. So no, you won't get to come back. Yeah, yeah. So you may come back, but they won't accept they, you. They won't want you. No. Yeah. So good politics goes a long ways. Then absolutely. Yeah. Eventually, you planned for your departure, right? Because you knew that you were going to be moving to Portland. That's and, right. Uh, you'd had this amazing legacy of pleading this thing, and you said. Uh, there, there is a season for everything. Turn, turn, and, right, uh, right. And so you kind of uh, you scripted the, a, a large wrap up, right? Yeah, I did. I um, I had had so many uh, fortunate. Um, I was so fortunate in having all these businesses um, donate things to me locally and with Nog and Chrome and stuff like that internationally. You know, they would donate all this stuff to us, um, and I would just give it away, right. Uh, for stuff like the the fiasco ween we did a halloween ride um our big december ride was festivus um and i would just you know all those spoke cards were numbered oh there we go i would just draw a number out of a hat and then you know give stuff away there you go so i decided to do that for the last one as well and i started billing it probably two months early you know, I started telling everybody, "All right, it's going to be the last one." Right. So, so you weren't you weren't planning on like having the FPC exist beyond your presence in Spokane. 
No, I um, I had poured a lot of work into this, and you know, uh, Spokane is a is a is a big city, but it's a small city in the same regard. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody knows everybody yeah. else, and you know, you can you attach your name to something, and it's um, it's yours, right? Um, it's not like trying to have the FBC in like New York or something like that, where it's a, where it's a big city and you know, you don't really know who's responsible for it. You just know that it happens once a month. Right. Um, this was sort of my thing. Um, and I had, um, I was always nervous about the liability of the whole thing. What if somebody gets hurt? Uh-huh. Uh, what if, uh, you know, what if we have an altercation with a bar? Yeah. And you traffic? never had any big incidents? We had, we had one that could have turned into something a lot worse than it did. Um, but uh, nothing ever happened with that. Okay. So um, I guess that was sort of my wake-up call. Because <laughs> I sort <laughs> of assume it's like, ah, everybody can take care of themselves. It's not right. a big deal. Sure. They're all adults. adults. We're all friends right. here. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. I don't need no one's you to, out to get anybody. I don't need you to sign a waiver, so sure. I'm not responsible for you breaking your collarbone on a speed bump because you're blackout drunk on your way home. <laughs> that's you as a responsible adult <laughs> making that choice. Right. Yeah. That's, that's not my right. fault. Um, I just invited, you know, just sent an open invitation mm-hmm. the way I thought of it. Sure. So I feel like um, if I left and left the name FBC still behind and the whole legacy of the whole thing, and if it was still sort of an open-ended thing without me there and something bad were to happen, it could still fall back on me. And that's just me being a worrier. Well, sure. In a you know, yeah, in it, that sort it's of It's good respect. to have those bases covered, I guess. Yeah. There's something to that. And yeah. I would say even, obviously, the liability concerns or like or reputation concerns mm-hmm. or something, but there's also simply if, say, like, you leave the band, you know, like, you uh, mm-hmm. you had a successful career, thousands of platinum there's albums. There's only one John Etten whistle. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like... Irreplaceable. Uh, there, there, are some, there are some bands that have had careers where they, they're more of a... Um, uh, what would you call it? They're, they're like a chain, you know. They're, they're like a franchise, more than uh, more yeah, than like a where you band have of like people. sort of a rotating uh, roster, right? Yeah, and yeah. like well, the concept outlives any sort of thing. But uh, it seems like what you created was so personal that it would it would almost seem like it wouldn't make sense for that to exist without you. Well, true, and it was something that I did um, that, and and I made it personal. I made it. I made it mine. I made it my very own. And if I were to leave that with somebody, they would still be doing my work. They wouldn't be doing it the way they wanted to do it. And then if they weren't happy with the way it was going, people wouldn't show up anymore. Right. You know, they're just expecting it. They would want to start doing it differently. And then if it was still called the FBC, people would show up expecting the FBC and it was done this is bullshit. Somebody else's way. They would. This they used would to call, be so cool, but now it's all changed. Yeah, they would yeah. call bullshit, and they yeah. would they would just leave, and they wouldn't come back. And it's kind of a disservice to the next person who wants to come along and start a bike club that just happens to be monthly and happens to be at night, right? And happens to start at the same bar, exactly. Which is what's going on now. There's a there's a guy running a monthly. Uh, what's called the Swamp Ride now. The Swamp Ride. Yeah, because it starts at the same bar, which happened to be the Swamp. Props to the Swamp. There we go. Which happens to be a, a great establishment. Excellent. The middle of nowhere, so we didn't have to worry about traffic. Um, and, you know, he's he's got a successful thing going on, and, and they do it completely different, but there's a lot of things that are 
that are similar. And I'm sure a lot of overlap between the members of the FBC and the members of this new Swamp Ride. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure I could just show up on the next full moon and see, you know, most of, if not all the the same people. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, do you think uh, do you think you could see yourself starting any sort of organization in Portland, or is uh, or have you done what you wanted to do, and it's uh, Portland's like your place to retire, as it were? I, yeah, I think you're right. I think it is <laughs> kind of my place to retire and just become a commuter, uh-huh. you know. And uh, uh, I don't know. Well, I'm, you I'm still a, participate, but yeah, as far as the energy to lead or the energy to like start something. Just not yeah, there. I really don't. I really don't think I could dedicate the time that it takes to sure. do it. That's right. that's another reason that I stopped doing the FBC is because it was a it was a second job right. that I didn't get paid for. In Seriously. fact, it yeah. cost me to do this second job. You know, dude, you could start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're also a father, so that yeah. takes a lot of time that as changes well. Things, yeah, that's, that's job number one. Right yes, there. yes. Well, I think uh, I think you've landed in a good place, and it's really cool to hear the stories of what you know what you've come from and the legacy that you have left uh, in Spokane. There was a fantastic documentary film, I think, uh, that you had pointed us to at one point, and uh, that's was, right. My I buddy uh, Sean Finley that. did that. Yeah. yeah, so we should put a link up to that. Absolutely. But uh, yeah. yeah, well, uh, welcome to Portland. If we can be the, can we be the official welcoming arms of Portland? I, well, we've done it a number of times already. Let us I let us throw that. our metaphoric arms around you and encircle you with uh, with the love of the podcast. You know, you uh, guys are are pretty much like the welcoming party. It's like all the all of Team Sincerity were the first people that I really met. <laughs> oh, holy shit! Yeah, and like Daniel, like uh, yeah. same Dan was same the first thing. guy who like gave a shit. He <laughs> right. was like, "Hey, we're stopped at a train. You're a dude." How's it going? Let's talk about stuff, yeah. which so, is yeah. awesome. And then he got yeah. you into Midnight Mystery Rides, and that's yeah, yeah. that's how like yeah. we kind of connected. And that's right. Yeah, it's where I met you as well. So yeah, yeah. that's the that's the night you uh, got home with no glasses. Wasn't I broke it? my glasses. I got home with <laughs> with a monocle, yeah. but I didn't realize it was a monocle until the next morning. So everything's a little fuzzy. Uh, well, hey, uh, we should probably do some headlines. Yeah, why not? Yeah, Jeff, thank you for sharing your stories. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, are you ready to cover the headlines with us? Sure. We expect your commentary. Absolutely. All I'll right. do my best. Here it comes. What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike. It's fast. I like my bike. It's fast. I like my bike. It's fast. It circles around the city lights. Sweet. All right. First up, uh, from Anna in Portland, right here in Portland. Uh, the psychology of why cyclists enrage car drivers. This is off of a thing called uh, Future, uh, which is hosted by the BBC. The British um, Broadcasting Corporation. That, that is right, because that's where we have to go now to get unbiased news. You know what I love? It's yeah. BBC America. I think that's a, uh, that's a funny yeah. imprint. British Broadcasting Company, America. America. Yeah, yeah. But go ahead. That's where uh, I get my Doctor Who fix. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you could argue that driving is so much of social life, or is like so much of social life. It's a game of coordination where we have to rely on each other to do the right thing. And like all games, there's an incentive to cheat. If everyone else is taking their turn, you can jump the queue. If everyone else is paying their taxes, you can dodge them, and you'll still get all the benefits of roads and police. Clarification. 
So this is an article on sort of the psychology or the viewpoint of uh, drivers upon cyclists. Yes. So this is this is less of an opinion of cyclists. Does okay. That make sense. Uh, possibly. Uh, is to, this a cartoon? To, to clarify, well, no. To clarify the the voicing of of this narration here. Yes. Um, in economic in economics and evolution, this is known as the free rider problem. If you create a common benefit like taxes or orderly roads, what's to stop some people reaping the benefit without paying their dues? The free rider problem creates a paradox for those who study evolution because in a world of selfish genes, it appears to make cooperation unlikely. Even if a bunch of selfish individuals or genes recognize the benefit of coming together to cooperate with each other, once the collective good has been created, it is rational, in a sense, for everyone to start trying to freeload off the collective. This makes any cooperation prone to collapse. In small societies, you can rely on cooperating with your friends or kin, but as a society grows, the problem of free riding looms larger and larger. Okay, so we see... Uh, drivers assume that we're not paying taxes as cyclists, and so they see us as freeloaders. Freeloaders, and and not even necessarily on a tax level, on a um, sort of etiquette level. You okay. know, we're we're weaving, uh, sometimes weaving through uh, traffic, cutting up the queuing, right side, yeah, queuing jumping up the queue. The right, yeah, it's a great phrase. Yeah, um, or you know, rolling through a stop sign because. You know, we no know, one's there. Yeah, or no one's there. Or we know, like, okay, I can turn right here because these guys are waiting, you know, to to go straight or turn left. Or, sure. Um, anyways, drivers see that as, like, oh, a cheat uh-huh. in a way. Right. Um, By and, the way, jumping the queue on the right in Portland, totally legal. Totally legal. Yes. As long as there's room. Yes. Watch out for doors and right hooks. Yeah. Uh, physics will stop you from breaking that law. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really interesting piece on the psychology of why, even if you are a cyclist and you're driving, you still kind of hate cyclists. It's interesting because I'm in that position sometimes and, I, yeah. and sometimes I'm like, what a dick. And then I'm like, wait, that's what I would do. I would have done the same thing. Right. Yeah. And so the quite you kind of have to ask yourself this question, is that really a dick move or is that, uh, is that an acceptable sort of thing? It gets kind of complicated. Yeah. So worth a read. Worth a read. Okay. We'll post the link to that. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, I stole this from Clever Cycles uh, website. Yes. This is more of an announcement, but I think for our listeners in Portland, this would be a uh, an interesting announcement here. So I've heard it said that poetry doesn't pay. Who says poetry doesn't pay? <laughs> I forgot says who. Cle- says Clever Cycles. If you write a haiku on a theme of autumnal, wintry, Portland, bikey love... Put it on social media of your choice, tagging us, Clever Cycles, and then come tell us about it. We will let you take a scratch card, giving you 10 to 40% off of everything, capped at $1,000 off. Who says poetry doesn't pay? One per customer, in stock items only. Legally, legalese, legalese follows. Yeah. And uh, no expires, limericks. Expires December 24th, yes. No limericks in all caps. <laughs> okay. Good to wow. know. But yeah. There once was a man from Nantucket. Hey. Oh. <laughs> hey, guess what else we got? What else we got? Hey, we got mail. Can I read the first one? Please. It's pretty fascinating. Uh, Johnny K sends us instructions for using a protractor to determine how steep that hill you're climbing is. Uh, yeah, it's basically, it's the same thing that I used when I was a child doing model rocketry. Um, uh, you, uh, you have a thing, you know, a, a protractor 
I What's, just I just set them on fire while you're shot them in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were actually supposed to do stuff with those things. I did mathematical science. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but uh, he sent us uh, directions for like you know if you don't know exactly how steep that hill is you're climbing and you're curious you can find out. So uh, that's pretty cool. Oh you, yeah, you want to take next the next up, one? Yeah, Anna sent us a link to cycling without age, uh, which looks that fascinating. Was, that was off of uh, Copenhagen. I can't pronounce or remember yes. the, the name of that site now. It's uh, uh, taking seniors in rickshaws. But, and yeah, taking them places. Right. Yeah, it was. It was with the uh, caption that. of "Why does Portland not have this yet?" Yeah, no uh, kidding. But you know, there's there's more aging people around than there used to be, and there's only going to be even more as. As time goes on and as we're living longer, I think this is becoming, or this should anyways, become uh, more of a trend. Uh, It is something that sort of answers a a hanging question I have of like, what am I going to do if I ever like am old enough or or somehow enable to to ride a bike? You got to find a young bike punk to ferry you around. And I would love that. Yeah. That would be great. Definitely. You read this, you said? Yeah. Would yeah, you? It sounds it sounds really neat. Would you, know? you volunteer to cycle someone around? I, I wouldn't volunteer, but I'd get paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good distinction. I would gladly accept money to do yes. that. Yes, I would volunteer until they start paying me. Like it's one of those things where yeah, you know yeah. you just keep showing up, and then eventually, right. okay, well, I guess we got to put you on the books now. Yeah, uh, I, got, I got a job at a bookstore the same way. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, ben sends us a record-playing bicycle, and this is, uh, I suppose it's kind of a stunt, uh, but it actually plays the records. So, um, yeah, it's cool. There are some pictures. Check it out. Uh, Chris and Arcata sends us a video about a bike trip full of left turns. Like metaphoric ones. Oh. They run out of cash with no ATM in the middle of Mexico. Find out how authorities treated them in this case. They had no money to do the whale boat ride. Find out how they got the money to kiss the gentle whales. Who goes a little crazy in the middle of the film shoot? Yeah, and I said it reminds oh, me of yeah. uh, Tom Allen's philosophy on touring. It's just like you go out and you do things whether you have money or not. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of cool. Which he's been he's been sort of on this kick of doing things basically like going out for free and just trading work for yeah. for lodging. And, I should put another link up to that because that's, yeah. uh, that's pretty fascinating. Uh, Phil in Alaska on why he's not vegan but appreciates our considerations on clothing. Uh, really, he says, is the alternative to uh, to wool morally better? Most of us have a wealth of poly clothing in our closets. Polyester, it's made of oil. Oil, I tell you. I'd rather distress a poor defenseless sheep a little than continue to pull oil out of the ground to make moisture-wicking clothing. From a global perspective, purchasing pre-worn wool, leather, silk, and poly clothing is certainly the way to go. The resource has already been extracted, and by selecting used means a slightly smaller demand. However, if buying new, it seems the wiser and more moralistic approach to go with an animal-based product over an oil-based product. The politics of fabric. Wild, man, he says. Wild. Is it strange that we think so deeply about these things? No, it's not. Uh, I think everyone should very deeply consider the uh, the things that make up the life that they have and whether they like them or not. Definitely. Yeah. Word. Unless we get to a point to where we can no longer... It's no longer a priority to think so deeply about these things. Right. Say society collapses. And, you know, you just have to wear polar bear. Right, exactly, yeah. (laughs) And shout at Carl to get back in the house. (laughs) Carl! (laughs) Exactly. 
Uh, lastly, the stick man says, so Phoenix gets bike share going ahead of Portland? Strange world. Starts November 25th. Care of gridbikes.com. Yeah, that's well, surprising. Last, but anyways. but I, I will say two good things. Number one, there are people riding bikes in Phoenix. Which is awesome. Which is, yeah. I wouldn't have expected it. That's surprising enough as it is. It's goddamn hot down there. <laughs> and then uh, it also. Doesn't surprise me. It doesn't yeah? surprise me that um, somebody else's bike share got started before one in Portland. Oh, sure. Like, I mean, everybody here already has a bike. You know, that, that's, that one is, the, that's one. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, uh, you go and ahead. I are probably going to say about the same thing. You go. Uh, that's one of the things that I, I think has kept bike share from happening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, there's a proliferation of bicycles and people with them. Uh, to the point where, yeah, even, I mean, private rental shops, there are so many of those that it's fairly easy to get a bicycle, even as a stranger in town, that, uh, yeah, maybe that's one of the difficulties, but, yeah. That reminds me, speaking of bike rentals. Tell me. I got to go to Michigan this week. Oh, you do? Yes. Are you renting a bike? I'm taking a Brompton with me. That seems like a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully it's going to, like, the roads will be nice enough. You know, you're gonna have. Otherwise, to I've us. just got a really, really heavy piece of luggage. <laughs> Exercise equipment. <laughs> yeah. At least that's what you tell the people. At the oh, counter. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm going by like it. It fits the dimensions of the overhead compartments, and there's nothing. Does it really? Yeah. There's nothing in that. this particular airline's uh, policies that states like you can't have this in the overhead. Like, as far as carry on, it says just. Any carry-on has to fit in these dimensions. Yeah. Well, at the at the worst, they just <clears throat> gate check it. Right. Right. But I mean, you you should just be able to carry it on the plane. Yeah. Seems like a good idea. That is that is my goal. Or it might turn out like one of those uh, one of those border patrol checkpoint refusal videos that I've been watching recently. <laughs> <laughs> is this you, a new hobby of yours? You're into those now. <laughs> Am I free to go? <laughs> Am I free to go? <laughs> Uh, so anyways, yeah. And then Glenn in, uh, Edmonton did coffee outside middle of a video about it. So yeah. a link to that. Uh, I hope it becomes a thing over there. I think it's already a thing. He took a video of it. It's there. It's, uh, it's now a thing. Yeah. Just has to happen again and again. Just kind of like the FBC, right? That's right. Yeah. The um, Yeg BC. Yeah. What, what people? Yeah, buddy. Are you with me? I think, yes, <laughs> I am with you. I think this seems like a good idea. Uh, well, Hey, you know what? Hey, we got, we got some time. Oh, shit. You could do your own thing. If you live somewhere where people are not getting together and uh, riding bikes and having fun in any configuration, any time of day, drinking coffee, drinking beer, legally, illegally, kids, seniors, go out, make it happen. I think that seems like, yeah, that's your call to action, people. Go do it. That's nice. All right. Uh, That's a good place to end the show, right? I think so. All right. Let's close her out. Am I free to go? <laughs> you still got another 10 minutes with us. Zing. I'd like you to pull it at the secondary inspection area. <laughs> Find us on the internet at thesprocketpodcast.com. Send feedback via email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text 2503-847-9774. Twitter to the sprocket or at sprocket podcast thanks to ryan j lane for our theme music thanks to herbert for our headline sounder thanks to marcus norman for graphic design and thanks to our sustaining donors logan smith johnny k shadowfoot katharina melamgard wayne norman doug robertson ethan georgie justin martin eric iverson cameron lean richard wazenski tim mooney orange and purple glenn kubish matt kelly jim gooden eric weiss Doug Cohen-Miller, Todd Parker, Scott McAllister-Morgan, Chris Gonzalez, Dan Gebhardt, and Zoe Campagna. Bye-bye, everybody. We did it.
bom. <laughs> the, price, the look on your face is priceless. Oh. <laughs> Warm stub tab. This is this is not good. This is right here. This is a sign of an addict. That I, you're you're yeah. gonna drink it anyway. I, oh yeah, you're gonna suck it down. Yep. Oh, they weren't kidding. Keep refrigerated, indeed. Oh, is there an actual warning on the bottle? <laughs> he just says. Okay. They mean it. <laughs> they They're mean that. That wasn't a suggestion. Keep refrigerated. Look, dumbass. Look. I said refrigerate it. <laughs> you dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> Don't drink this swill warm. Uh, I, this is, well, this is making me look forward to the ginger beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you mm. have to have something. That's like a reverse sorbet. That's my jam.